Well, thank you guys. Thank you, thank you. Ah, you're good. Sit down. Praise God. Good to be here. Man, I thought it was pretty amazing when they sang that song and said that we were innocent. About half the room got pretty excited and squealed. Like, like you must be taught that or must believe that. There's a lot of people live their whole life and don't see how God sees them through the blood of Jesus. It's a very difficult thing. There's a lot of people grow up and believe God's a whole lot different than he is. Your view of God, your view of God and, and your knowledge of him is so, so important. I got touched when they sang that song. I was over there sitting in my chair and I felt like I was really supposed to talk about something specific tonight. Uh, and really focus on something for a little. So when we got to that part, it just blessed me uh, when I heard y'all squeal and shout and clap. You go to a lot of congregations, they wouldn't, they wouldn't sing that song because <laughs> they think there's no way you could be innocent. But, but we're not guilty anymore when we actually understand. And the reason is, it's not that God is like, it's not like the Father's like winking at sin or or giving you some ability to, 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 to disregard repentance. Like some people are afraid to preach the true gospel because they think we're given permission for sin. It's the total opposite. When, when you see the goodness of God, when you see the mercy of God, the justice of God, when you know, who's ever known they were guilty? And then you come to a place where you care about being guilty or you wish you didn't do what you did that made you guilty. Who knows what I'm talking about? That when the Lord sees that in your heart, through the blood of Jesus, he'll see you as if you were never guilty. As if you've never, ever sinned. As if you've never done it. Innocent is innocent. The word innocent, we don't need to describe that, right? Innocent. Justified means just as if you've never sinned. Who knows in this room that we all know we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Who knows the Bible says that very clear? But we all know that, true? I mean, somebody that says that's not true... It says you're deceived and the truth's not in you and you're making God a liar. That's a pretty heavy deal right there. We all know we need a Savior. But here's the key, guys. If we all know we need a Savior, let's let him save us. <laughs> I drove all the way here for that deep comment right there. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if we know we need a Savior, let's let him save us. Unfortunately, in America, we think that word save us means take us to heaven when we die. No, it's, it's restored, it's healed, delivered, protected, right? Made whole, kept safe and sound. The word is sozo, soteria, save, salvation. It's a, it's a redemptive word. It's a, it's a word that means restoration and all things restored. So if we know we need a Savior, let's let him save us. I want you to see something amazing here. These are some thoughts that are in my heart. I think it's going to take us somewhere. Uh, okay, I'm going to preference this. I preface this. I I know you guys are taught well. There's people from all over. I feel like there's people in the room. Usually, I don't believe that everything you preach means there's somebody in the room. I think sometimes God's protective, empowering, encouraging. I don't, I don't think if, even if somebody brings a strong word, sometimes we think, oh boy, we must be messing up. No, sometimes he brings a strong word so we don't mess up. It's not because we've been messing up. But I honestly feel this in the room tonight. I, I, I believe that what I'm going to preach is because there's a handful of folks, enough to get the Lord's attention to sway me into this, this direction that don't have a real healthy view of who God is. 
that don't actually see him really clear and understand his love, his mercy, and forgiveness. You have a, you've been brought up with a different view of God. Uh, he's not breaking your leg because you took a wrong turn. He's not breaking your leg because you took a wrong turn. I can actually take the time and prove that scripturally. But people believe that, and they grow up believing that stuff. And sometimes there's general phrases we grow up hearing. Who grew up just hearing phrases about God, and then they kind of got into your belief system? They kind of got into your language, into your heart. And they're very damaging because they're not a healthy, clear view of God. Look, it's real simple. The whole Bible, the whole focal point of the Bible is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that, right? The whole focal point of the Bible is the Lord Jesus Christ. Like he's right there in the beginning. I mean, the word is right there in the beginning. And he was with God and he was God, right? You have Jesus prophesied in Genesis 3. You have God's plan in the garden, his intention, his purpose, his man. You just see what God's up to and, and then you see how man handled what he was given and you see the separation between God and man and then you have all these chapters where God prophesied Jesus right there in Genesis 3 who knows that Jesus was prophesied that the seed is coming through the woman he's going to crush the head right of the serpent then you have this whole long period that people get confused over and misunderstand and they're not looking for Jesus they, they're defining God but you don't understand you're living life under the guilt of sin, apart from the blood, no finished work and no new covenant. I'm trying to condense this. I'm doing super quick condensing of this. You could take a long time. But you got chapters and chapters. You got generations of life lived apart from God. Who knows separate from God. Where God's spirit wasn't in men. Where men were paying the price for all their sins. Are you with me? And then in due time... Out of dry ground, a root shot up. Yeah? And truth sprung out of the earth. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> His name is Jesus. And he's our king. He's God's son. He's our savior. He's our forgiveness of sin. But he's also our model for life. And he's the revelation of the father. And that's what I want to camp on tonight a little bit. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. If the Father or the G-O-D God that you define, if you can't find that God in the life of Jesus, then you're looking in the wrong places. You can't define God as life unfolds. Who's ever seen somebody see how something turned out and then say, well, God must have, well, sometimes God, well, you know God. And we just always loop it back and make God responsible for the outcome. Because we have that universal large phrase that says, well, he's in total control and he made everything happen that happens. You guys know in this area that's not true, right? You know that sometimes like things happen that God's not wanting to happen. Okay, because not everybody, you go to the south, you get stoned for preaching that. I could show you the marks on my body. No. <laughs> no, I preach it heavy in the South. I get a lot of looks and I keep plowing away until the room breaks. I figure either I'm going to break or the room's going to break. Because see, if you have a wrong view of God, see, how do you handle that if just everything that happens is God's choosing? 
that he has a desk of administration and in the beginning of the day he just puts thumbs up and thumbs down on the blanks. And that's kind of the view some people have of the Lord. Very unhealthy, damaging. That's why people live so far away from him. They're afraid of him, but they don't reverence him. They don't honor him. They're just scared of him because of their view of him. He's super approachable when you know him. He said, if you see that we have a high priest Jesus and he's the son of God and he's passed through the heavens representing man to God and God to man and mediating on behalf of men to God, you'll come boldly into the throne room of grace. You understand that God isn't the God you grew up hearing about. you got all these middle chapters, and it's life apart from God. It's, it's, it's mercy showing up, bailing people out. Oh, let me get back to that quick, just so nobody's stumbling over and saying what I haven't said. Like, like, like when you say God is in total control, who, who knows God is God, and He is ultimate power, omnipotent, who knows all that, right? But He has given the earth to the children of men. You have to understand that there's laws on the earth. Seed time, harvest time, first law in your Bible, that men reap what they sow. So wonder if a man just keeps sowing into death, and the whole time God is willing life, and man's just sowing into death, and eventually reaps death. And the whole time, God's willing life. Do you see how damaging it is to say that God willed the death? What he put in your mouth, the power of death and life, is right here on this little thing called the tongue. Yeah? So if everything that's happened, wonder if people aren't speaking the right things. Wonder if people are just speaking despair and woe is me and negativity and condemnation. And they're reaping the fruit of their lips. And yet God, through Jesus, is willing a whole different thing. That's just two examples. How about this one? Men are destroyed for the lack of that means if we could get the knowledge, certain destruction could cease. So the destruction has nothing to do with the will of God. It has to do with the lack of knowledge. Come on, this thing's simple. If we would look at the word of God, we wouldn't believe the things we grew up hearing. It's a demonic strategy to mar your view of God at a little age and get that picture of him implanted in you so you just open the door for stuff that's never him. Come on, innocently and blindly and ignorantly and then get destroyed for the lack of knowledge and the whole time just point to him. Well, I don't know. God did it. Well, I don't know why he did it. Well, he allowed it. He allowed it is probably, it's, it's my, this is my opinion. If you got it recorded, this is my personal belief. He allowed, well, God allowed it is the most damaging phrase in Christendom. Because we're not understanding the authority we have. Even the healthy responsibility or privilege of just prayer and living life in obedience and surrender. Yeah? Not grow weary in well-doing. People give up and let years go by and tragedy hits and now we're 
double mad at God because here he goes again. And the whole time we were living weary and well-doing and he tells you not to be weary and well-doing. Just, I'm just throwing some examples out there. We have this beautiful part to co-labor with God. And he wants to work in our lives and through our lives for sure. Are you with me? But your view of God is vital. Go to Colossians with me real quick. We'll just scroll through. We'll do this and we'll see where we end up. And we'll just trust it's all right in the end. Colossians chapter 1. Wow, I got a lot of rainbows in Colossians chapter 1. Makes you want to just read them all. I really do got a lot of rainbows. There's a big one there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I'm just seeing what I need. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm not confused. I'm listening, okay? If you wonder what I'm doing, I'm not confused. I'm just listening because right now I'm excited and I could read a lot. I just want to do it right. Let me jump in in verse 13. Verse 13, we got to hit verse 13. I, I was going to jump in at 15 and just read it and scroll to another scripture, but we probably ought to read 13 to 15. Okay. Do you know the word has is past tense? Y'all know that in the English language, right? Has is past tense. You know how people always talk about the word breakthrough and deliverance and delivered. It's a hot topic in the church today. Now, I understand some, some people get delivered and need delivered of some things, but we wear that thing. We put it on like a language like, what would happen if the everyday believer would just jump on the boat of verse 13 and say, yep. In the face of feelings, in the face of contrary emotions, in the face of black uh, flashbacks and, and reminiscing and stuff. You know, watch this. He, he past tense. I seen y'all glancing up there. I figured it's up there. This is good. We'll do it together. And everybody will know that what I'm telling you is at least in the word. And if you don't believe the word's the truth, then you have a real problem there. So, but you won't have it with me. He has. He has. Is that past tense? Whew. He has what? Wow. So here I stand in Christ Jesus. I've got a history. I've got a past. I've got a story. And my Bible tells me that I'm standing here in Christ, washed in his blood. God sees me as if I've never sinned, as if I've never committed sin. His sin was never committed against me. I died to the old. I put on the new. I'm called out of darkness into the light. I was buried in death of Jesus, baptized into the death of Jesus, buried, died to sin once and for all. And the life I live now, I live unto God. It's all scripture. That's me standing here right now. I have the ability to remember. I have the ability to flash back. I have the ability to have emotions, even contrary negative emotions. But guess what I found? He's delivered me. 
Guess where you got to live? You got to live in faith and you got to live in this place. He's delivered me from the power of darkness. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not what has happened to me. I'm not what who did what to me. I'm what he did for me. I'm putting on Christ. Are you with me? Come on, it's not a cheap out. It's transformation and change. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. What's he conveyed us into? The kingdom of the son of his love. You want to live there. You want to stay there. If every Christian, I've preached this for years. When I pastored, man, the people that sat under me when I pastored, they got the same stuff, Pastor, all the time. Yuri, they just got. Because why? You want them to see it and get it in them. I don't want them to quote it. I want them to believe it. And until they start waking up in the morning, the folks that sat under me when I pastored, until they start waking up in the morning, Father, I thank you I'm delivered from the power of darkness. Not calling for prayer for everything that's trying to glitch in their emotions, but decreeing I'm free. I'm clean. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm a believer. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm feeling... Yeah, but I had a terrible dream. What was so terrible? Well, I remembered in the dream it was like I relived when I was. Well, is that you? Is that in your heart? Is that what? No, but it was really a bad dream. No, it's only a bad dream if you wear the thing, if you put it back on, if you go back there and live there. See, that bad dream can be a good dream if you put on the truth in the middle of that dream. You wake up out of that dream. Wow, Father, I thank you. I'm free. I'm thanking you. Those days are over forever. God, I thank you. I am never looking back. I'm not Lot's wife. I'm your bride, and I'm looking up from once comes my help. I just thank you for setting me free, for cleansing me, for washing me. Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, the dream is taking you into a place of communion with God, faith, and prayer. Why? Because you know you're delivered. Are you with me? Come on, this is what faith is. I think a lot of times we're, in all fairness, a lot of times we're hoping to feel better about things instead of believe better. I think we get tricked into the emotional life and we're looking to feel different instead of see different. And if I see different, I'm going to be different and I'm going to feel different in time. You get what I'm saying? So watch this. I just wanted to cover this because it was my double little rainbow here and I thought, man, I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, we can go here quick. Now watch this. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, and that's Jesus, in whom? In Him. In whom we have what? Redemption. So we've been brought back, bought back to our original value, totally restored, right? Through, in other words, we, we, were, we were bought with a price, and now we're His purchased possession, and he paid for us to be brought back into that which he originally what? Desired. Just amazing. Oh. I laughed in a church a couple weeks ago. I said, man, maybe I shouldn't say it that much, but here I'm going to say it again. It just shows the goodness of God, though. See, when you buy a product, when you purchase something and it don't work right, first people complain, they get angry. They're like, this thing ain't even doing what it's supposed to be doing. And then they're mad that they had to spend a certain amount on it. And then they take it back to the store, take it back to get their money back. Aren't you glad God doesn't take people back? <laughs> this thing ain't doing nothing that I paid for. <laughs> I 
for this? See, see, it just, the reason I can say it and we can laugh uncomfortably and be comfortable in our laugh is because God's goodness, His mercy, His love, it doesn't give us an excuse to be wayward. It sobers me. I'm like, man, if God took people back, do you understand this is the manufacturer's handbook? Did you ever see the Bible as the manufacturer's handbook? Come on, this is the handbook, the manufacturer's handbook. The one that made the product. There's everything about the manufacturer and everything about the product is here. Come on, you buy a microwave. I know, guys, we don't read nothing. We don't even read instruction. We, we will take out the screws, put them back in, and get the other sides and say, oh, they're supposed to be over here. Oh, that's why I won't go tight. Yeah, those screws are these screws. Oops. We'll do that three times rather than just read the thing. But if you read the manufacturer's handbook for, for a microwave, you don't put metal in the thing. There's certain materials you don't pop in there and hit the start button. Did you ever do it? Who's ever left a fork on a plate? Who's ever had a little foil on there and had a brain freeze and just hit it with foil on there? I did that before. It'll shake you up quick, won't it? You'll be flying for the stop button fast. You'll be like, woo! You ever do it? What would happen if you just ignore the manufacturer's handbook and just keep throwing metal in the microwave? Just ignore the manufacturer's handbook, the wisdom behind the product, and just use it however you feel. What would you do to the microwave in time? Totally destroy it and its value. I'm telling you, this is the manufacturer's handbook. I just throw one out there. This book says the product never lives for itself. This book says that it's absolutely to live for yourself. Like totally never in the picture, totally out of bounds, wretched and terrible to live for yourself. A zero, a total zero to live for yourself. I can find that in this manufacturer's handbook. And that if the product lives for himself, he's going to totally destroy his potential and his value and his destiny. That's just one example. Whoo! Now, I know we want eternal life, and I know we want blessings and full vats and barns and protection, but we probably ought to read the handbook, find out about the product. Because the product could have full vats and barns and be living for itself, and that's a bummer. So what's the big deal if you have full vats and barns and you're living for yourself? So you're getting protection, but you're living for yourself? Oh, that's a comfortable quiet right there. I like that. That's a healthy quiet. Not comfortable, healthy. It's uncomfortable quiet. It's a healthy one, though. That was a good quiet. I like that quiet. We get about four more of them tonight. We're going to be doing good. Okay, here's the verse I actually want. Oh, so we have redemption in him through his what? Through his blood. The forgiveness. This is why you guys cheered when we said we were innocent. What do you have? Redemption through his blood. The what? Forgiveness of. So be forgiven. If you care about the things you've done. Who, who here can honestly tell me there's things you've done that, man, knowing what you know now and looking back and time going by, 
If you could rewrite a page, you would. If you could go back and redo it, you would. There's things you would do different now because of who you've become and what you know and see, right? Man, if that's you, that means you've changed. That means, so why would you wear something that's not even you anymore? Guilt, condemnation, shame. Three biggest lies from hell. They're never, ever, ever the finished work of Christ. Guilt, condemnation, shame are never used by God. They're never tools of God. They're never subcontracted out by God to the devil. Guilt, condemnation, shame. But isn't it amazing how many people are real quick to be guilty, condemned, and ashamed? And none of those three are ever, 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 ever used by God and never tools of God. But isn't it amazing? It's the normal quick reaction to people that actually care. Isn't that the paradox? You have to actually care to be condemned. You have to care to feel guilty. You have to care to be ashamed. You have to be alive inside. The thing a condemned person is accusing themselves of being, they would never care if they were what they believe they are. Are you all with me? A condemned person is somebody that's alive inside being deceived and mishandling conviction. Ashamed is just a false identity. What you're ashamed of. When you're ashamed, what you're saying is what I'm ashamed of is still me. It's who I am. See, we think what we did is who we are. We do that to each other. We, Growing up, somebody does something and we never forget what they did. And when we hear their name, we think about what they did. Sometimes we mark people, stereotype people. People get lifelong nicknames for something they did. It's a tendency. It's a lie. Are you all with me? <laughs> we have redemption. Brought back to original value and purpose. Paid for. Yeah? Purchase. <laughs> Through the blood of Jesus that's speaking better things than guilt, condemnation, and shame. Now you think with me. Why would, this is one of the things that personally has me fired up for years and excited where it doesn't get old. Like, why would God go to the extreme? I mean, it's hard sometimes to get people to just to go out of their way in something. Not, not in this culture, I don't think so. This is actually, I, I'm hearing in my heart right now, this is actually a very kind culture that way. Helpful, help each other, we'll do things for each other. But some people, like if they're driving down the road, so, so, so Tommy and I are friends growing up, and I pass Tommy's lane, and I'm heading to service, and I'm three miles past Tommy's lane, and Tommy calls me and says, Dan, can you, are you coming by? Are you going to service? Well, yeah, I'm almost at church. Oh, man, why? What's up? Well, I was just hoping you could swing by and get me. I can't get my car running, and I don't have time to deal with why. I'll fix it later. I just don't want to miss service. Can you swing by and pick me up? Now, who knows? I'll go back and pick him up, but most of the time people say, man, why couldn't he have called me three miles back, and I'm almost at the church. Now i got to go get him. It's not a real big deal, but we still have to share that is some kind of inconvenience. Am I telling the truth? And this Jesus that we're talking about, totally perfect, totally pure, comes and dies as if he's totally wrong, and doesn't say anything about it. Am 
In fact, when he's hanging on the cross, beaten and bloodied and stripped naked and tacked to a cross, it's, it's gruesome, it's awful. The best love can say, the best he can say, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. They have no clue. They're blind, they're deceived, and they don't get it. I don't know about you, but that impresses me a lot. A whole lot. Like, this isn't like holding the door for you. This isn't like helping to pick up the few things you dropped at the door of the grocery store. This isn't even coming over and mending your fence. Or helping you cut down the tree that's laying almost on your house. No, this is giving your life as if you're wrong to make wrong things right. This is the redemption of people. This is Jesus saying, whatever it takes to get them back, I'll do it. That tells me, this is what no preacher, now I didn't have Yuri in my life, but this is what no preacher told me growing up. No preacher ever told me that God was determined to buy back, redeem, and restore what he had planned with people. They just always made it about what was wrong with me, and this mysterious being in the sky was willing to forgive the mess I was. But it left me a mess. Never inspired me to change, never even led me to think I could change. Just forgave a mess. So now I'm a forgiven mess. I guess that's better than an unforgiven mess. No, it's a mess. <laughs> so the whole time, God is saying, I'm not losing sight of what I created them for. I'm not losing sight of who they are. And nothing's changed. No matter how far they ran, no matter how far they went, no matter how far they strayed, I'm bringing them back. I'm drawing them, I'm calling them, and I'm paying the price that they'll come through the blood and be clean as if they've never been there. Now, I don't know about you. That humbles me. And it's designed to humble us and to say, wait a minute, we're a whole lot more than we've been pursuing. And God has a way bigger plan than us just trying to make it on the earth. You know how many people are using God to make it on the earth? That's why they're like living like this. Watch this. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, here's the verse that I really wanted to share with you, but those other two were really good to me. He is. You got it up there? Verse 15. Look at this. Uh-oh. Who's he? Jesus. He is. He is. He's not living up to be. He's not going to be in a minute. He is. The image. <laughs> Guys, he is the image of the one you can't see. Who's God? <laughs> He's the firstborn over all creation. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Go to, go to John 14. Let's do John 14 now. Who is Jesus? He is who? The visible image of an invisible God. So can we see God? 
So think about all the things we say about God as life unfolds. Did you ever see somebody have a rough season and they start crying and they say, well, I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know why God's doing this. And I, I don't know. I just thought God loved me. And all of a sudden, they're, they're letting the trials question his love. Anybody ever see this stuff happen to people? That's called you don't have a healthy view of God. You're trying to find him along the way. So life is always defining who he is, but Jesus already showed us who he is. So if you're not sure who he is, how are you ever going to have faith in what you're going through? How are you ever going to have a healthy view? How are you ever going to have confidence and courage and certainty and surety of God's will and God's plan and outcome if you don't know who God is? And if everything that's unfolding is revealing who God is, well, then we're learning him as we go. It's not scriptural. Are you with me? He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. John 14. You all know where I'm going, right? Look at verse 6. Jesus said, Thomas asked, he said, Lord, we, we uh, do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Because he's talking about going to his father's house. So look what he says in verse 6. It's amazing. You guys know this scripture, but watch this. So this is the intention of Jesus. You know how we always bill him as Jesus, the way to heaven? I understand why we're trying to do that. Jesus never said he's the way to heaven. He's the way back to the Father. He's the way back to original value, to purpose, to destiny, to intimacy, to relationship. Like Jesus is the way back to the Father. The Father sired us. He brought us forth. The word father in most uses is to come forth from. He fathered us. You, you get that? He says, call no man on earth your father. You have one. In other words, you have a biological dad, but it's only because you've been fathered before time. Are you with me? He saw your day predestined before time to be adopted in. Yay. It'd do you good to believe this stuff. And not just like think it or know it intellectually or question it. I am, I am, man, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. And no one, no one, wow, comes to the Father except through. So what's he saying there? He's the way to heaven? No, he's the way back to the Father. I believe he's saying he's the way of the Father, he's the truth about the Father, and he reveals the life of the Father. Yeah. What did Jesus say? I only do the will of him who sent me. He doesn't do anything except it be the will of God. So that means everything in Jesus' life is God acting himself out through his son. That's why he's the visible image of an invisible God. So everything you see through the life of Jesus acted out is the will of God being revealed. So the person of God is truly, legitimately, accurately found through the life of Jesus Christ. 
There's no mystery anymore. It's all unraveled. It's all revealed. That part's revealed. The person of the Father, the love of the Father, the will of the Father. It says, tells us to not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Haven't we grown up in a culture that throws the will of God around like a hot potato? As if nobody can know it and it's a deep mystery? Bible says you ought to know it. Don't be unwise. Understand the will of the Lord. Isn't it amazing how we've sold out to some religious mindsets and stuff and never saw the word and never thought this stuff out and really hashed it out and went, wait a minute. See, because if you just can never know the will of God, that's pretty impersonal. How can you have intimate relationship and be intimate with him when you can't know him any better? Come on. It's like we make him this far off, unapproachable being and he's out there somewhere and we're hoping to catch a break. And it's the total opposite. He's this intimate, personal, Jesus coming as a man. I mean, that, that don't get any more personal. I mean, God puts himself in a young girl and he's born of her and he comes as a man to fulfill what man failed to restore the truth. That's pretty intimate. Now, nobody ever taught me that at VBS growing up. They just said I did a lot of bad things and had bad things in my heart. And he's willing to forgive me if I'm willing to just say I'm sorry. And if I come up and kneel, I had to be around 12 where I went to church. I had to be 12 where I went to church. It was the Church of the Brethren. I had to be 12 years old. I got baptized when I was 12 and I prayed a prayer and I was, I was old enough to go pray the prayer and get water baptized. And then I was in the Lamb's Book of Life. But nobody ever told me the Lamb's life was in me. Nobody ever told me I got a new heart. Nobody ever told me that he filled my spirit with light. And that in him is no darkness at all. And that I was to walk in the light as he's in the light. Nobody told me the rest of the story. They just set me up with the peace of mind that no matter what happens, I'm going to heaven because I prayed a prayer. Anybody ever kind of grow up like that? A whole bunch of us. It's on purpose. It's a strategy and it's not from the Lord. And that strategy is working in churches. To give you just enough of a piece of the story to make you think you're okay. Without any change whatsoever. Wow, wow, wow. Let me try to get somewhere here. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now watch. If you had known me, pay attention, watch. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him. From now on, you know him and have seen him. (laughs) That's intense language, guys. You know the story, Philip said, show us the Father, it'll be enough for us, sufficient. Have I been with you so long, 
And yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? He's saying, I have so clearly represented him to you, you have literally seen him. When you've seen me, how can you even say, show us the Father? That's deep. Like, how can you say, show Because they didn't see the Father, they're seeing the Son, and the Son said, no, 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 you don't realize it. I'm revealing the Father completely. And when you have seen me, you have seen him. And it isn't amazing how we make all this mystery about God and throw his will around like a hot potato and make his disposition angry or mean or judgmental or works driven and all the stuff that's creeped into our lives and our thoughts and our language. It's nothing we see through Jesus. Isn't that something? He said, do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. He's saying, God is speaking through me. God is working through me as if he was standing here himself. Now, I'm taking this a little step further now, and I hadn't intended to do this, but I see it now. So he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. He says, the works I do, you'll do if you believe in greater works, because I'm going to the Father. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Any man that abides in him ought to walk even as he walked. 1 John 2, Ephesians 5, 1. Walk in love as dear children, just as Jesus loved. Yeah? Walk in the light, 1 John 1, 5, 6, walk in the light as he's in the. Do you see what's happening? God said, let us make man in our image. And he meant it when he said it in Genesis. And he breathed in the man and put who he is in man. Isn't that powerful? And he said, the day you eat the tree, the day you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because you're just made to be innocent, to know me, and to know good. And the day you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to step out of all you need to know. It's really what he's saying. He said, it's the day you surely die. Well, we all know he didn't fall over dead. That means what God created and intended and made him to be was lost in that moment. So what's Jesus do? He comes in a man's body. Would Jesus say, follow me, if you couldn't? Would he invite you to follow him if you couldn't? Did Jesus say, follow me? Why? God said, let us make man in our image. Jesus came and he's the visible of an invisible father. And he's paying the price to restore 
the image, the redemption of man through his blood, the forgiveness of why? So he can put that image, what? Back in men. So that when you see men, you see... See, that sounds blasphemous to people, but it's not. As the Father sent me, so I send the things I do, you'll do if you... See, the problem is we don't believe, and then we argue in our unbelief. Are you guys okay? It's so detrimental to our lives when we don't see ourselves clean and free and forgiven, when we don't actually believe that the Spirit of God is in us in a way that can change our heart and our mind so that we can actually live in a pure place and the pure in heart shall see God and actually manifest fruit that remains actually walk in the light as he's in the light and bear witness of the one that forgave us and loves us. And all of a sudden, we can love like he loved and show mercy like he shows mercy. And all of a sudden, we can carry our own cross and follow him. You know what we've turned it into? Blessings, provision, protection. And God, helping me get through my life. It's happened to a lot of us. That's the only reason you can be disappointed. You can't tell me you're disappointed. You can't tell me it ain't about you if you're disappointed. If you're discouraged, you can't. I know some intense situations, but bear with me. Don't get mad at me because that will already give you away. If you're just discouraged, where's your focus? If you're offended, where's your focus? If you're hurt. If you're angry. Where's your focus? I know you're singing it's all about him, but it's all about you. Because you're proving it through your fruit. And you know them by their fruit. So in all you're getting, it doesn't say blessing, it says get understanding. So that's why we teach and train. Like, I can show you Ephesians 4. It's so powerful. It says that God has given gifts into the body so that we can teach through the knowledge of the Son of God and grow to the unity of faith, to the full measure of the stature of Christ, to the full measure of the stature of Christ, to grow up into Him in all things, no longer tossed to and fro, but instead grow up into Him in all things. Don't think this journey isn't possible. Make sure you're on it. Man, don't just be praying for blessings and provision and protection. Look, God just does those things because he's God. I'm actually convinced in my heart in this day and age of my Christianity that I don't even have to be praying for that stuff. That's a given part of the package. That's just the stuff God does. If I do what your pastor said, I go, just seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I wake up every day believing the kingdom's in me. I'm right in his sight, and he wants to reveal himself through me. What did he call us? The light of the world. Okay, God is light, 1 John 1, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 
So Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, and he said he's the light of the... Why? Because he's revealing the light. Now he's that light that shines in all men. Now he says you're now the light of the world. So he passes us the baton, puts his spirit in us. Watch what he says. You're now the lights of the world. Let your light. So Now he didn't say attend a church service. It's important to gather yourselves together. But watch this. You could go to church the rest of your life and never let your light shine. That would be a tragic deception. Because then your church attendance is your Christian identity, not Christ-likeness and Christ in you. The hope of glory. Let your light so what? Shine before men. Why? So they see the light. Not you, the light. Why? You're revealing the Father. And then they glorify who? So they see you and they go, wow, that's the nature of God. Wow, that's the heart of God. Wow, that's the love of God. Wow, that's the mercy of God. Ain't that something? I think we've, I think we've proven this, and, but I feel like I'm supposed to go one more place quick with you. Then we'll just talk about it a little bit and we'll pray. We'll see what God wants to do. Would you go to Hebrews 1 with me real quick? Just out of the mouths of two or more, every word's confirmed and established. Okay, you're the light of the world, so let your lights so shine before men. We're cities set on a hill. Nobody lights a lamp and then puts a basket over it and hides it. We're supposed to realize we did not pray a prayer to go to heaven. We did not just step into this thing where God's just supposed to bless us now because we're on his side, apparently. I don't know that idea we get, but it's, it's, there's, there's just beneficial messages. and There's a lot of let down people. Who, whoever found that there's a lot of people that would call themselves Christians that are let down and discouraged and don't have a healthy view of God, and they're weighing that by their life? That's a grave deception. Yeah? Somebody does you wrong. You're, I don't know why God's letting them do that to me. <laughs> That's a dead giveaway. <laughs> you never died to yourself in the first place and you don't even understand covenant. You're just still waiting for a fair shake. <laughs> do you follow that? Come on, when somebody does you wrong, what's Jesus doing? Could you, do you, could you picture Jesus bummed out like, here we go again another day. Another day, got to do good all day, and they ain't going to appreciate it, Yuri. They're going to backbite me. They're going to bicker. They're going to come and test me and tempt me and try me. Ah, people. You just wonder why you love them sometimes. Could you picture Jesus just melting down, just having a little, just a little moment? Was he treated like totally wrong, beyond description? Like, we don't even have to be really treated wrong to have a moment. We just think it ain't totally right. <laughs> and then self-centeredness, the part that's lingering, that wasn't killed and dead, rises up and gives you a right to be something less than light. 
Like, like if you've been done wrong and you're living like you've been done wrong and you're telling the story about being done wrong, you just reveal that you don't understand the gospel at all. Listen, I'm not being mean. You could be an elder in a church. You're still revealing you don't understand the gospel. Because when you're done wrong, you don't live done wrong. You overcome evil with good. You don't repeat it and you don't justify a reason for you being the way you are if the way you are is in Christ. I don't need a story behind my life to justify why I'm not like him. Well, you know, brother, it's been a tough season and you don't know how long and I've been through a lot and you don't understand. And all of a sudden I'm coming up with a reason for my disposition because my disposition is in Christ. Are you with me? <laughs> Could you see Jesus manifesting something outside of him? And then saying, it's all your fault. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to do good. The other, remember last week I fed you all. You tracked me down. You got in your little boats and you found me. It's not because you cared about what I was saying. You just wanted to eat again. And you know that's been stewing in me for the last three or four days. And you guys are so selfish and you could care less about my words. You just want my blessing. And I just think I've had enough of you people. I heal the sick and you're trying to figure out if it's an evil spirit. I raise the dead and you want to kill me more. You people are whacked and I'm done. Come on. He doesn't know how to be like that. Not because he's Jesus, because he's love. See, if you say it's because he's Jesus, that's religious as can be. Oh, well, he's Jesus. I know what we're trying to say, but what you're saying is you can't follow that. And now you have an excuse for being whatever you are because you're not Jesus. But what about the Christ in you? The hope of glory. What about I've been crucified with Christ nevertheless? I live, but it's not I. It's the Christ living in me. It's how you're going to be a light in the world. Let your light so shine before men so they see the life you're living and give glory to God because they see God in it. See, if you're offended, you're not shining. If you're discouraged, you're not shining. If you're full of pride, you're not shining. If you're discouraged, you're not shining. If you're scared, if you're worried... If you're stressed, you're not shining. Doesn't mean you're not going to church, but you're not shining. If you're nitpicking, if you got a story, if all you do is remember who did wrong to you, you're not shining. If you're identifying with your past, not your present and future, come on, you're not shining. It's important we let our light so shine. Why? We're the light of the world. I thought it was Jesus. It is. He's in us. That makes us the light of the world. Do you see the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is to manifest the Father. Are you all with me? The purpose of the church isn't to have blessings and baskets full. It's to manifest the Father. <laughs> you can't manifest the Father... If it has anything to do with you and your own well-being. Are you all with me? Come on, I'm smiling. It's a happy message. 
Okay, let's see this. Look, if Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, and Jesus said, follow me, and the things I do, you'll do, and the things I do is only the will of him who sent me, and only speak what he's saying and do what he's doing, and when you see me, you have seen him, now follow me. So when we follow Jesus, who are we revealing? The Father. That's why he's the way, the truth, and the life, and through his blood, nobody comes to the... So he brings us back into right standing, right relationship and fellowship with the Father so we can be one with him through the blood of Jesus and manifest him to the world. And in this, the Father is well pleased that you bear much fruit and your fruit remain. And then he's even going to prune and clip and so you bear even more fruit. <laughs> Ain't that something? Okay, I'll close with this and then we're going to talk about our one or two things maybe, and we're going to pray for a bunch of folks. Is that all right? 845. Are we okay? Okay. I mean, they ought to let me preach as long as it takes me to drive to a place. <laughs> I'm really thinking we should try to get that arranged. However long it takes you to drive to get there, you ought to be able to preach that long. Because it took me a long time to get here. Are you all ready? I won't do that to you. We'll probably, if we add up all the sessions, I might get close. God, Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, God, who at various times and in various ways. Now, you can follow this all through the Old Testament. Watch. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. He has in these last days, uh-oh, he has in these last days, past tense, and last days, you understand B.C., A.D., you understand last days. Isn't it amazing that even the earth acknowledges Jesus that way? It's amazing. Watch this. He has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who, who being, talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand, of the majesty on high. Who's Jesus? The brightness of his glory, the expressed image of his person. When you see him, who do you see? The Father. I'm closing with this, 2 Corinthians 5. I think we're going to pray for all the sick tonight if you'll let us. We can do that. That's legal here, right? Okay. Look at verse 14, 2 Corinthians 5. Bear with me. I know I'm saying a bunch, but. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge something. If one died for all, then all died. So when he died, we died. 
Now you have to die with him to put on what he paid for. There's repentance necessary. There's a change of mind. There's a turn of heart. There's a lot of stuff out there that just says all that's works and we don't have to do anything. That's not true. You have to repent. You have to change the way you think. Yeah? To put on Christ. For the love of Christ compels us. We judge this. If one died, all died. Now watch. And he died for all. Does everybody receive that life? No, it's there for all though, isn't it? Okay, here's how you know everybody doesn't receive that life. Watch. He died for all that those who live. So some people through what he did have come alive. They've repented and become believers and the Spirit of God has filled them. Do you, do you follow me? He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So that's purpose in your life. So that's purpose. So you no longer live for who? For yourselves. Okay, now I'm going to stretch you a little in a good way. It's convicting. So it's totally unscriptural to be a Christian for your sake. You've given up yourself. You're not a Christian for your sake. Has nothing to do with full vats, barns, blessings, protection. Has nothing to do with it. It has to do with stepping into the truth, putting on Christ, getting back to the Father, and living what he put us here for. It has nothing to do with blessing. Do you know how many people are Christians for their own sake? They're Christians first and foremost so they don't go to hell. They heard a preacher say, if you don't pray this prayer, you're going to hell. And they said, well, I'm praying a prayer in case he's right. <laughs> Come on, it's totally for yourself. And there's people, that they'll, they'll preach all this beneficial stuff. God will do this, God will do that, God will do this. I'll tell you what he said he'll do. He'll forgive you of your sins and he'll put new life in you. He didn't say he was going to bring all your broken relationships back. He didn't even say he'd bring your spouse back. People come to me a lot and ask for prayer. I need my spouse to get back. I say, how about if we just pray Christ gets formed in you? And then we'll go from there. I mean, I'd love your spouse to come back, but if Christ's not formed in you, why? <laughs> for you. <laughs> Because you're lonely, because you're something missing without them. There's only one that fits that description. So when God sees himself built up in you, then he can actually get his hands involved. A lot of people push and shove and make things happen and then say the Lord did it. He gets blamed for a lot of stuff. He gets credit for stuff that he doesn't deserve credit for. So, so, so watch this. If you're a Christian for your sake, it's unscriptural. You have to be a Christian for his great name. You're a Christian to step into the light and manifest the light. You're a Christian to walk in love, to live by the Spirit, and to manifest the truth. That's why you're a Christian. Come hell or high water. Paul understood it. He has a whole chapter of perils, and he's not discouraged. We have two sentences of perils and we're, we jump ship. 
And we're mad at God and wondering where in a blankety blank if I'm allowed to say that he is. Yeah? Be real with me. I've pastored, I've seen some heated people mad at God and they have their facts laid out. Well, if he's so good, then why in the blank and how come? Well, watch you, you know, you don't have to, oh, no, no, no. That's somebody that never understood the gospel from the get. And they're very much alive, and it's really time to die. (laughs) It's really time to die. So, those that live, those that live, this is in your Bible, it's not my sermon, it's in your Bible. Those that live should no longer live for who? Themselves. That's why I don't preach beneficial messages. Because people listen to beneficial messages, but they don't transform them. And then if the benefit doesn't come to pass because they're not transformed, they get disheartened, discouraged, angry, or mad. And prove they don't understand covenant and they've never really given anything. They've just wanted everything. I've actually learned you don't have to preach beneficial messages. Psalm 67 says, our God, yes, our own God, he shall bless us. He just does things out of his nature that you don't spend one bit of energy for. His goodness just comes on you because he's good. And if I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, Everything I'll ever need to fulfill his plan and walk out his will will always be added to me. Are you with me? Can I quote Romans 8 for you? We're predestined to be conformed to his image. Who he predestined, he called. Who he called, he justified. Who he justified, he glorified. How? By filling us with the same spirit to raise Christ from the dead. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? For if he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely give us all things through his son? Is all things, is he talking about bats and barns? He's talking about all things necessary to be conformed to his image. Has nothing to do with provision or blessing. Are you with me? Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. He said, I've been through seasons where I had more than I knew what to do with. And then I had seasons where I didn't even have enough, but it's all the same to me. Because I'm not changed by any of those things. Because I'm on the earth for a reason, and I'm not going to let that reason change. I'm on the earth to shine. I'm on the earth to bear witness of who he is. And when I'm done wrong, I'm going to keep loving. When I'm forsaken, and I'm, I'm despaired, and I'm persecuted, and I'm struck down, I'm not destroyed, I'm not broken, and I'm not giving up. Come on. He shares five perils and things just in that chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, struggles and challenges that one would be enough for us to jump ship. It's not because he's so disciplined. It's not because he's tougher than the rest of us. It's because his motive's different. He knows why he's going through it. He knows what he's accomplishing. He knows what his purpose is. And even if he doesn't have enough, he has more than enough. 
because he can always manifest him. He says, even when I'm in Rome and they're holding me in the prison, he said, man, I got to preach to all them guards. There's guards that know the Lord because I was in that prison. He's not sitting there going, why am I in this prison? Lord, I mean, come on. Are you serious? Prison? Are you with me? Okay. So we don't live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one. Who? No one according to the flesh. We don't ever see a man for what he appears to be, what he's proved to be, or what he supposedly is. We don't ever regard a man by his outward expression, appearance, or even what we think he's earned. We see a man for his purpose, his potential, and his destiny. We see people for what they're created for, whether they see it or not. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. That's why God never gives up on people. And that's how love never fails. You get it? Come on, this isn't willpower. It's principle. It's truth. You see a man, forgive him. He doesn't know who he is. So rather than get mad at him, why don't we have mercy on him if he doesn't know who he is? Watch this. Women, watch this. Watch this. Hang on tight. And don't elbow your spouse. Watch. Don't. Watch. If a man loves his wife, it doesn't say he's a good husband. It doesn't say he's practicing right. If a man loves, it's Ephesians 5. If a man loves his wife, it's because he loves himself. Whoa! So if a man doesn't love his wife, he doesn't see who he is. He doesn't have an identity. But the wife needs identity through her husband, so she's distraught, lonely, angry, or something, because he ain't loving her. And now she's less than she's supposed to be because he don't know who he is. And now it's leavening through the whole family and we're at a counselor. And we haven't even considered having mercy on the person with no identity. I'm not saying you let a man beat on you and hit on you. I've personally instrumented some separations under those situations with strong vision of reconciliation. Because you know what happens? People learn to live alone. And they say, why was I there so long in the first place? And if God learned to live alone, we wouldn't have his spirit in us. I know I'm on a hot topic right now, but Listen, if a man loves his wife, it's because he loves himself. That means if he doesn't love his wife, he has identity crisis and he has no idea who he is. So God forbid the wife has identity crisis and she needs the love of the husband to be okay and now she can't be okay. So all she can ever be is broken until he gets fixed. That can't be true. Yeah, but there's so much emotional abuse. You can only emotionally abuse people that don't know who they are. I know it's real, and I wish people didn't do it to each other, but you can only emotionally abuse people who don't know who they are. It's impossible for you to emotionally abuse me. No, it's impossible. My wife would have no ability because I didn't wake up for her to love me today or tell me sweet things or do me right. I woke up to be like Christ, people. I woke up for one reason by the mercy of God this morning, to be more like him. 
I woke up to walk in love and to shine as a light. I'm alive for one reason, to manifest Christ, so that when you see me, you get a look at him. I'm not on the earth to be loved by my wife. I'm not on the earth to be done right by my children. No, or I'm going to live in idolatry and my children are going to break my heart. Or my spouse is going to devastate me and I'll never recover. Come on. Whoo. There's another one of them quiet moments. <laughs> but you can hear what I'm saying. And it's very powerful in the Lord. And it makes love true love. And not emotional, wishy, all about me behind the scenes. I love you if. I love you when. I love you until. That is not love. That's a masquerade. That's a, that's a scam. Come on, there's been too many hurting folks. We've had too much permission to be less than light. We've allowed our story to dictate what we're shining instead of his story. We've allowed what we've been through to dictate our output instead of what he's been through. You plug into him and watch that current flow through the line. What I've been through has nothing to do with who I am. What he's been through is where I found me. My story? No, it's become his story. Are you with me? Boy, this shifted and got intense here for a second. Are we okay? You feel that shift? That got intense. Come on, God's ministering to some people. Don't leave here angry. Don't leave here the saint. Don't justify. Don't buy into a lie. And don't be weak when you can be strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. Don't say, well, you don't know what I've been through. No, no, you better run that by Jesus. What do you think he's been through? We don't know how wrong they've done me. Okay, I bet Jesus gets that. <laughs> Who's ever seen the movie The Passion? It's a pretty brutal makeup deal when he's on the cross. It's pretty brutal. And it was worse. I think Jesus was even worse than The Passion movie. But, but The Passion movie was hard. That's pretty, pretty rough. So whoever saw the little thing, they, they have it out there floating around and and Mel Gibson was, what was he, like the producer or something. And, 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 and he's sitting on a chair, and, and the guy playing Jesus is all made up for the scene, and they're talking. And Mel's kind of like this, talking, and they must be walking through the scene they're about to do, and he's all made up. He looks terrible on the, the makeup. It's, he's brutal. And it says at the top, they're sitting there talking, and it says at the top, just about when you try to tell Jesus how tough it's been. And it's a like a, whoa. <laughs> and that's not to be insensitive to the things we've been through, but we can't give it power and let it change our disposition. If it's going to cost us light, then we're selling out what he paid for. And you're not for sale. Your life's not your own. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Why do we sell cheap when we're not for sale? I think it's lack of understanding. I don't think it's hypocrisy. I don't think it's evil people. I'm not talking to hypocrites. I'm talking to his bride. And in all our getting, let's get understanding. And let's stop letting where one man isn't decide where we are. And let's let who he is settle it forever. So we can walk in love and shine his lights. And show mercy and make peace and triumph in the moment. Are you with me? Come on, that sounds like a lot better answer than just falling apart, crashing, and burning. 
Or getting three friends that understand your pain and call it in a support group. <laughs> Forgive me, but I'm serious. <laughs> and y'all just, can I get nasty and gross with it? And y'all just licking each other's wounds, nasty. <laughs> licking each other's wounds, nasty wounds. And nobody's ever getting healed. Y'all just found permission to stay there because we all understand. <laughs> I know exactly what you've been through. That is not a support group. That's deception. If they can't look you in the eyes with sensitivity and understanding and give you a higher answer to pull you out, they're not helping. You don't need permission to stay where he's not. Come on. See, and some people need validation for you to talk like that because they're going to need to hear your story because we're so busy comparing stories. But if I ripped off my story, you might not even be able to handle it. So our story isn't the issue. It's truth that makes men free. Because if I started with this young lady right here and went across the line and back the rows and the whole way and we all just shared the hell we've been through. By the time we got to the last person in the room, you know what we have decided? Who's been through the most hell? And then you know what? Nobody could help them because we can't relate because we ain't been that far in hell. And they wouldn't even give you permission because you don't know what I've been through. So we're going to sit and just talk about all the hell we've been through and then get the worship team up and sing it's all about heaven? Or, or, are we going to put off the old and put on the new? We're going to let what person said? We're going to let what a person did? You say, yeah, but you don't understand. It was for 10 years of my life. and I get it. No, I do understand. I get it. But you got the rest of your life in front of you. You're not in that place anymore. You're not 7. You're not 10. You're not 11. You're 38. So embrace the cross, the gospel. Become who Christ said. Stop letting that season paint the rest of your life. You can't take it back. You can't make up for it. You can't go back and redo it. Call it dead. Come out of darkness into the light and put on Christ. And live the rest of your life in the light and be a greater testimony than a reason why you're whatever you are. Well, you don't know what I've been through. And you're still telling that story 35, 40, 50 years from now. That would be a tragedy on the day you look into his fiery eyes of love and light and you go, oops. I have been crazy deceived. I'm feeling, I feel this in my heart, so please bear with me. Feeling sorry for yourself. It's the easiest thing, but it's the most lost place we could ever be. It's the loneliest party you've ever been to. When you get reduced to feeling sorry for yourself, we no longer live for ourselves, but for him that died, then how can we feel sorry for ourselves when we aren't even supposed to live for ourselves? Come on, be honest with me. Feeling sorry for yourself is the loneliest place you've ever been. I'm not joking. I'm saved 27 years. I got tricked into feeling sorry for myself for a five-minute moment in 27 years. Five minutes of 27 years, I got tricked into feeling sorry for myself, and it was 
hell for five minutes. It was chaotic, and the Holy Spirit got me out of it because everything shifted and went weird, and nothing made sense. And all of a sudden, I'm laying on the ground, and I'm crying face down, going, God, have mercy. And I felt like I was the weakest person on the planet, just falling apart because I was feeling sorry for myself. And Holy Spirit said, what are you doing on your face asking for mercy? Stand to your feet. You're a man of faith. And I leaped to my feet, and I was like, whoa, what was that? That was weird, and I realized it was feeling sorry for myself, and then it caught my heart as a pastor because I realized people live there. They don't visit there. They live there. <sighs> it's chaotic. Do you know James 3 says where there's self-centeredness, there's every evil work, that there's confusion. Self-centeredness is not the wisdom from above. It's earthly, sensual, and demonic. And where self-centeredness exists... There's every evil work present. So as you're praying against things, you're inviting everything you're praying against. When you're just mad at your spouse and you're in your bedroom fuming and you're praying and you're just mad at your spouse, God, you need to knock them off their high horse. How long do I have to put up with this? God, I'm about the end of myself. I'm about ready to bail out. If you don't change them soon, I'm about... And the whole time you're praying, you're not praying. You're inviting every evil work. Because you're saying, I'm really not surrendered and my life is my own and I'm not happy with my spouse or God. And you become a complainer and you get destroyed by the one who destroys, devoured by the one who devours. And then when that happens, guess what we do? Well, God, you ain't helping. I don't know why you let. Why do you didn't protect it? Huh? And the whole time, you're positioned for it and inviting it. And if we don't talk about this stuff with passion and repent, we're going to stand before God one day and in the middle of a moment go, oops. So we probably ought to just talk about it now. So that we can leave a legacy. So we can write a history. So we can walk in the light as he's in the light instead of just sing cool worship songs. Come on, that wasn't mean. It's just sober. Somebody thought that was mean. That wasn't mean. That was sober. I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm sorry. I'm not doing well. I drove a long time. I ought to get to preach it. At least half of the amount of time I drove. I'm down to half. I'm, I'm compromising. I'm down to half, Yuri. <laughs> okay. So from now on, we're going to regard no one according to the flesh, though we've regarded Christ that way. We don't regard him any, any longer. We see who he is now. Therefore, if anyone, if anyone, who? Anyone is in Christ. He is a what? Woohoo! Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Very important we believe that. Very important we understand how that came to, to be. So let's read. Now all things, okay, all things have become new. Now all things, the all things that become new, all things are of God. So it's all God doing this. Who has reconciled us to himself. See, you are lovable. You are lovely. You are wanted. God wanted you the whole time. He reconciled you to himself. Not the name in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's scriptural, but that can be impersonal. 
See, nobody growing up, everybody told me my name's going in this book called Life. Nobody told me he's reconciling me to himself. Nobody told me that, Pastor. Nobody looked me in the eyes and said, son, he wants to bring you to himself so he can father you, so you can be his son, so he can speak to you through the night, so you can wake up in his presence in the morning and live by his spirit. Nobody ever told me that, but he told me that 27 years ago in my bedroom, and now I'm a madman. And you ain't calming me down and you ain't talking me out of it. Not that you want to. <sighs> oh, I'm feeling that. Shoo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm a new creature. Now watch this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself, Jesus Christ. And he has given us you say, I just want a ministry. You have a ministry. It's a ministry of reconciliation. Woo! People say, well, I just want to know my calling. First Peter 2, you're called to suffer for doing good. <laughs> suffer for doing good. To this you were called, for you have Christ as your example, and you should follow his footsteps. That's your calling. Now here's your ministry. See, you're all in ministry, all of you, the ministry of reconciliation. But watch this, you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't realize you're reconciled to God, you won't be a ministry of reconciliation. If you haven't received his mercy, you probably won't be merciful. If you don't believe you're forgiven, you probably won't be a forgiving Christian. The ministry of reconciliation. That is. Do you love how God explains this stuff? You mean I'm, I'm called to reconciliation? Yeah, that is. That God, he was in Christ. He was in Christ. We established that first part of this whole thing. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How? Not imputing their trespasses to them. He wasn't giving them what they earned or deserved. That means we're not supposed to see men according to the flesh and give them what they earn or deserve. We're supposed to have the capacity to begin to give them what he gave us through his son. Isn't that what saved us? Isn't that what will save them? Phew. Not imputing their trespasses. That's why, who knows nobody was born again when Jesus was walking the earth because he didn't shed his blood yet. Who knows that all that came to him were healed and everybody he prayed for was healed. Who knows? The only place he didn't do any money works was Nazareth. That's just because they didn't bring people to him because they thought he was loco. It's not that he touched the, the, the paralytic and he didn't get up. And then he looks at the city and says, boy, it's a shame you guys have so much unbelief. Come on. People say people that aren't saved can't be healed. Are you kidding me? There's this mercy triumphing over judgment. Love covering a multitude of sin thing that's alive on the earth through Jesus and is supposed to be on the, in the church. As the Father sent me, I send you for God so. And if you forgive any of the, their sins, their sins will be. But if you harden your heart and you see them for sin and you don't forgive their sin, how are they going to know the forgiveness of sins? So if you retain them, they'll stay retained because you're the picture of Christ. He's not giving you authority to 
be in unforgiveness. He's saying if you retain their sins, how are they ever going to get forgiven when you are the ministry of reconciliation? You know how many Christians are in unforgiveness? Quote Christians, it's unscriptural. There's no such thing as an unforgiving Christian. But you know how many people that go to church are in unforgiveness? Wow. You're not walking in the light if you're in unforgiveness and you're not a minister of reconciliation, unless it's on your terms. He's committed to us this same word of reconciliation. Now then, now then. We are, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, what a gospel. So through Jesus, we became right. He made him to knew no sin to become what? Sin. Okay, here's where we're going to pray for the sick. Now, a lot of people don't realize this. I share it a lot. What motivates me to pray for the sick isn't just because I know God to be Jehovah Rapha, the healer, and I'm hoping he heals. And, hey, it's awesome when somebody gets healed. Who knows? It is awesome when somebody gets healed. I'm not motivated to pray for the sick because they're sick. It's the forgiveness of sins. It's the fact that God forgave them of everything they've ever done. He's not imputing their trespasses. In the Old Testament, per se, when Jesus was walking the earth, they're still living under the law. He hadn't shed his blood yet. He didn't pass the cup and say, this is the new covenant in my blood. He didn't shed his blood yet. But people got healed by the score. How? Because he's Jehovah Rapha, and he sent Jesus as a sign and ministry of reconciliation. Not imputing their trespasses. Men weren't getting what they deserved and earned. So look at scripture. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name and forget not all his benefits who forgives how many of my sins? And forgives how much of my sin? And heals all. He marries them, doesn't he? He marries them, doesn't he? Watch this. He bore your sin and my sin in his body on the tree that we, having died to sin, might live for Righteousness and by his, what's he doing? He's marrying healing to forgiveness. What's he doing, James? Any among you sick? Let him ask for the elders of the church to come, pray over him, anointing him with oil, praying the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith, not the anointing of oil, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed any sin, it'll be forgiven them. What's he saying? If you're healed, you're forgiven. Watch. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you might be. Wow. So if you're healed, you're forgiven. But if you're forgiven, you're healed. Watch. They lower the roof. Boom. Break the roof. Lower the boy. They lower the man. The man. He's, he's paralyzed. They tore off the roof. They lowered him down. What did Jesus say? Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Okay, I'm going to be real with you. If I'm one of those guys that tore that roof and lowered him down, I'm thinking, hey, great, pal. How about getting him up? Because I don't understand what he's doing, and I don't understand what he's teaching. 
I just know that I did not tear the roof off and lower my paralytic friend down to hear Jesus say, you're forgiven. Are you with me? Why'd you lower him through the roof? What'd Jesus say? Because he's a teacher. Take heart, son. Your sins are... What'd the people do as soon as he said it? He said, why do you always bicker and think evil thoughts in your heart? What is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk? But to show you the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin, rise and walk. What did he do? He married the forgiveness of sin to healing. He marries healing to forgiveness of sin. Do you see why we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his? Because the right standing you have with God is the awareness of the forgiveness of sin. That's what gives you access and boldness. You're clean. You're innocent. And everybody goes, woo. You see why we pray for the sick? Because of the forgiveness of sins. I think we pray for the sick because they're sick. And then we come under pressure, and we have a lot of feelings, and who knows it's not hard to have a lot of feelings when people are sick. They hand you a child that's not supposed to live, and it's eight, nine, ten months old. It's not hard to have a lot of emotion and feelings, is it? But I don't know that we're praying because of faith and revelation and authority. I think we're praying because of fear and sentiment and human stuff. And that's why we don't see a lot of those things change. Are you with me? Let me just share one quick thought before we do this. You have no authority over what you feel. You have no authority over what you feel. Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the devil to tread upon serpents, over scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. Where's the authority function? Where there's no fear. People fear death. And we have no authority over it. Yet he has the keys over it. People fear death because they don't understand they're never going to die. And they're a Christian for now, not then. We're trying to get by, not live for that day. Come on. Wouldn't it be amazing if we all just really get it and go, never going to die. Woo! Never going to die. Not in denial, not being weird, even though I look weird. Never going to die. Woo! And all of a sudden, a terminal diagnosis can't even motivate you. And the only thing that motivates you, because it's not sentiment, and I want to see my granddaughter get married or my own daughter get married. It's not sentiment. that you have no fear of death because you know you're never going to die and the reason you don't want to die is because you want to live out the will of God and manifest his great name there's authority in that and that's where Psalms 91 is very powerful because you set your love upon him yeah not your need upon him come on Are we okay?